0: Welcome to the HR Happy Hour Network. This is the Inclusion Crusade with me, Sarah Morgan. I am on a mission to create workplaces where employees feel safe, seen, and supported one episode at a time. And in this episode, I have the privilege of speaking with two dynamic HR practitioners, um, one who has been a friend of mine for many years and another who I will dare to call a newer friend of mine. And so I would like to introduce you to Frannie Oxford and Z Rosenblum. Welcome you both to the show.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: Thank it's you. Uh,
1: a privilege to be here.
0: Excellent. So how about each of you take a moment just to introduce yourself to our listeners, tell us a little, tell us your name, a little bit about your career, where you're working and what kind of your role entails now.
1: Sure, I, I could go first. Uh, my yes. name is Z. I uh, I use she, her pronouns and um, I am a senior recruiter at Plume. I've been here for almost a year and a half. And I have a background in corporate and agency recruiting as well as uh, media recruiting for podcasts and such. And so I've um, been doing that since 2017. And I also have an extensive background in all types of customer service. And so for about 15 years or so I've been just kind of learning the ins and outs of human dynamics and engaging with folks from all walks of life and I find it really rewarding and at Plume, one of the things that I like best about working there is getting to kind of build this team to um, Mm -hmm. focus on our our mission that obviously we're all aligned uh, behind.
2: Excellent. Frannie, hi. My name is Frannie Oxford. My pronouns are she, any, and I'm the head of people and culture here at Plume Health. Plume is the largest provider of healthcare to transgender people in the United States, which means we're pretty small. We're under 100 employees, and um, and about two thirds of our employees are trans or gender nonconforming, and about 80% of us are queer, including me. Uh, my background is, is that I've done HR leadership roles in startup turnaround or what I would call incredibly dynamic situations like M&A work uh, for more than 30 years now. And I love what I do because I really love helping w- the work people within my work community self-actualize actual- and align to what the organization is trying to do. um.
0: I love that, the idea of like self-actualizing. I think that that's something a lot of times that gets lost in the work that we do, the impact that we have on people's lives that way. So thank you for putting that into words. I appreciate that very much. So I've really reached out to you, Franny, because you and I have done some work together during the time that you've been at Plume. I love, obviously, the mission of the organization and the uniqueness of the space that you all are in. Being the largest provider in the U.S. of, of trans healthcare <clears throat> services and making sure that those who are gender nonconforming and transitioning are look, are able to get the healthcare support that they need and deserve. And so here we are um, now. It's Pride Month. And I am sure that you all are super busy um, as a result of that, and I'm, because companies everywhere are trying to make their effort to show support, and they're inevitably going to be tapping on the shoulders of organizations like yours, wanting to know, you know, how to partner and and those things. But that's not what Pride is about. You know, the history of it is not based in corporate rainbows, <laughs> and so. How do you feel about the way that Pride Month has evolved or dare I say devolved into this kind of commercialized season? It's like, like, it's like Valentine's Day almost now. Like it's, it, and how do you, how does that make, how does that feel for you? And what do you feel like corporate environments need to be doing a better job of recognizing
2: it's like Valentine's Day if every once in a while, terrorists blew up a Hallmark store when yeah. people were in there on February 13th. So mm-hmm. there's an element of danger to pride now that is quite real.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: And I'm going to save the rest of my comments because I've been out since 1987. So I kind of have a lot to say. <laughs> I'm going to say the rest of my comments there. And Z, I'd be interested in your perspective first.
1: Well, I've been um I'm trans I've been transitioning for a number of years and before I was out I would look at pride as um definitely the visibility into the community that normally if there's somebody who's presenting as like a cis straight person they might not have visibility into and so it definitely the fact that there is pride and parades and festivals and things is Amazing in and of itself, mm-hmm. and yeah. is excellent exposure for people who are not out and then to participate in those when you are out is just an incredible sense of belonging in the community and an opportunity to engage with the community that is so important to you. I would say that in recent years, it's definitely become more of a hot topic. It seems like you've you see these organizations putting out merchandise in support of pride when they can make money off of it and when it's like Mm -hmm. the cool thing to do and then when Mm -hmm. it's a little bit more controversial they take a step back and i think that really indicates where what the motivations are and so from my perspective having as many allies as you can get is wonderful uh Mm -hmm. we could use all the help that we can to uh normalize like transness and queerness and have it be in the mainstream and um, talked about on a you know, in it's like a regular way and a familiar mm-hmm. way. and but you have to look at the overall outcome. and when you when you have these organizations that are doing these things that it like sends the message of when you get opposition, it's okay to pull back. It's okay like when you get opposition, mm-hmm. you should this is how you should behave it's not a very good role model. Yeah. And it's like if you're going to support pride, either do it or don't do it. Mm-hmm. But don't do it for the like you know the wrong reasons and I think a lot of organizations are doing it for the wrong reasons.
0: Yeah, I I appreciate that you say that. As a black woman, I see the same things happening around Black History Month. <clears throat> and to your point, Z when when someone gives opposition to an initiative that a company is do, is doing, and then the, the company is like, well, we're going to dial back what we're doing. We'll remove that thing from the shelves. We won't sell this thing after all, or we'll narrow the scope of, of the time period that we sell it in. It's like, you know what? I don't get to take off my blackness, (laughs) I don't get to shrink back from that. Like this is my identity that I live with all the time. And you're calling yourself an ally or an advocate for my identity. And you can't even handle a little bit of pressure from the public from, when you're trying to profit off of me in a way that isn't even necessarily going to impact the community that I belong to, you won't even stand up for your profit, yet alone for my identity. And, and there definitely is something about that that feels super askew morally and, and from an allyship standpoint as well.
1: I would rather have a company silently participate in the well being of a community behind the scenes than publicly engage in this commercialization of pride for their own benefit, visibly.
0: I agree. Because I I have a client that I uh, did some work with a couple of years ago. And one of their, um, they're a juice company. And one of the things they wanted to do was to begin working with, um, farmers of marginalized identities, and then also with lobbies surrounding paths to citizenship for migrant workers from Mexico. And I felt like I was constantly fighting with them to not, sem- not put out press releases. We're not taking pictures. We're not putting things on the website. You're not tweeting about this. We're going to quietly and intentionally do this work and make the difference and just know about it internally. And we did that probably for two years before we began to actually do any work where they were promoting the fact that they were doing this because I need you to commit fully to the reasons behind why you're doing the work before you do anything publicly to celebrate that so i appreciate you pointing that out too as well franny you were about to say something
2: yeah i was just saying it, that performative pride piece is just um and just generates more cynicism to be honest and
0: mm-hmm.
2: um i you know you mentioned at the beginning of this question that like we must be really busy right now and the answer is no wow. we're no more busy or less busy than we were the other 11 months out of the year the work that we do is to quietly show up for people and provide reliable and relatable care for their gender transition questions and needs. Mm. So that doesn't change any month out of the year. We yeah. just we show up and we are here to provide um, the opportunity to transform their healthcare experience. And that doesn't mean that we are running big marketing initiatives right now, or um, you know, we're not having like daily internal opportunities to celebrate. We're just doing our work and and while we are celebrating ourselves at each other, we uh find that it's kind of like you know, uh people who do uh DeI consultants, you may have this experience of like in January. Mm-hmm everybody starts lining up. It's the season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it's the season. It like history three month, right? And in May, <clears> it could be that everybody starts lining up to see what, you know, who can come and talk to them about mm-hmm. um, their pronouns. And it's it makes perfect sense. It's just not the kind of work that we do.
0: I'm actually glad to hear that
2: because my
0: fear and in even making that statement still in the back of my mind there's this fear of like them turning the mission of what plume does into this like cool commodity thing that they can partner with like to have someone come into an organization and speak or to do some sort of initiative to raise money or whatever the case may be and so it it kind of it gives me a weird on the one hand it's like i'm disappointed like why don't y'all why don't y'all know why aren't y'all taking this opportunity to partner with an awesome organization like this and then on the other hand, I'm like, well, at least y'all are smart enough to know, like, not to try to commodify what it is that you all are doing through your mission, and that you all aren't buying into that either. That you're not doing any sort of marketing that's different um, than what you do all year round. You're like, no, it's June. We're gonna celebrate ourselves and and our individual employees and our members. We want them to have the opportunity to celebrate, but it's Tuesday up in here, and we're gonna keep doing exactly what it is our job is to do. And I think that piece
2: of it gives yeah. gives me a good refresh. And then it reminds if people me, we want that. We can happily refer them to our friends. Like we've mm-hmm. got a lot of friends who do that kind of work. It's just not necessarily what we do. Yeah. See,
1: during the um, the Trans Week of uh, Visibility, somebody asked me, like, "Oh, how do you, as a trans person, how do you feel about the Trans Week of Visibility?" And, or is it trans day of visibility there's a, there's a week and a day but,
0: mm-hmm. um, I, think, I think day was last month yeah
1: and and I'm like it doesn't really change anything it's cool to see the you know the posts that people make and it's nice to know that people support you but it doesn't really change anything like you know every week uh, for me is my normal visibility I'm and still so, visible. Said, yeah, <laughs> yeah and still so visible especially working at plume where two thirds of us are trans it's definitely i and i I live in seattle and so um i feel very fortunate that i get to Mm -hmm. live in a city with lots of trans people and then go to work in a place with lots of trans people which not everybody gets to enjoy
0: yeah that's a very unique um opportunity for you as you're going through your transition you have community in both places, which I, I know a lot of trans individuals don't have. You have the community yeah. of it, that you build, but a lot and of so, times workplaces don't understand, or or you may be the only, only person in your whole organization that's trans.
1: Right, which could lead to a lot of dysphoria and the feeling of having responsibility for educating and informing others. Mm-hmm. In organizations where I was the only trans person in the department or at at that location, there definitely is this feeling of uh, feeling responsible for educating and informing others, which gets very exhausting and dysphoric. But also, since I do live in Seattle and I work at Plume, that probably like I could speak to only my perspective and not others. But my perspective is that Trans Day of Visibility or Trans trans Week is that it's not super Important, not important, but like it's it, you no, know, it doesn't change a whole lot. Mm-hmm. But for others in other areas, maybe it does. It's yeah. probably the case that for others, it's super important.
2: Yeah, and and the point about visibility is really something to for us to always be aware of is that you know we forget at Plume that what we are doing is making history, and what mm-hmm. we are doing is truly transformational in this community and Mm -hmm. for the individual lives that we touch, certainly transformational, maybe the biggest change that most people will ever have the opportunity to take on in their lives. So, um, which makes it even more important that we always remain grounded, humble, listening, and focused on our members 12 months out of the year. So, <clears throat> that
0: leads me to my next question. Plume obviously is a super unique company. Both of you have already talked about its success in hiring individuals. Two thirds of your population is trans. 80%, was it that you said? Mm-hmm. Trans are queer? Yes. Those are, clear. <clears throat> and obviously I would imagine that a lot of that is because of your mission. But I also know that it, it's been very intentional in your approach. So can you tell us about what your approach has been to make sure that happens and how organizations who don't have the same type of mission can still take that approach to add more gender diversity into their organization? Well,
1: it's very multifaceted. Um, A lot of it comes down to where you're, looking for folks and the the ways of going about that is networking events that we do and posting on on different job boards and stuff like that. But it also comes down to the way that you write your job ads. I've had mm-hmm. people compliment our job ads for having our values in there. And they mm-hmm. say that they align with our values. And one of our values that we have there is trans inclusion. Mm-hmm. And so people see that and they know that it's a safe place for them. And if they didn't know that already being plume, but, and then we Mm -hmm. have a questionnaire that everybody fills out when they apply for the job. And some of the questions are, um, what have you done to recognize and address your own biases? Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: why do you want to work for our mission? And people see that and it causes them to be, you know, have a moment of introspection and then they, Fill out the rest of the questionnaire, and it gives them insight into what this job does. And so they they find out about the job maybe through a networking event, or we post the job uh, some, some you know message boards specific to queer people, trans people mm-hmm. in the technology sector. Um, t- t- I want to say twenty two percent of the people that we've ended up hiring in the past year or so have been from. Manually reaching out to folks on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And so people will apply for jobs, but also the external factor is important. So recognizing one's own biases when recruiting could potentially drive diversity in the pipeline if you're reaching out to folks, but you're only reaching out to a certain demographic, or you don't know how to find people who um, like. Are from more diverse backgrounds like if you're looking Mm -hmm. for only very specific experience on a resume and you look at it and it doesn't align perfectly with what you're used to seeing the exact career progression you could easily oversee somebody who does have the experience that they need to accomplish what's required for this role but maybe it came from a slightly unorthodox background um we do networking events every six weeks or so where somebody from the organization uh, usually, multiple people from the organization, Plume, in addition to myself, will be talking about what they do at Plume and their experience working here. Mm-hmm. And also, we'll invite people from the audience up to talk about who they want to network with. So, for instance, I'm an engineer and I'm interested in networking with people who are engineers, or I'll network with anybody. Everybody should add me. And then mm-hmm. people will go from having zero connections to over a hundred connections in an uh, in instant at these networking events. And these and are
0: virtual events, correct? Yes. 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 yes.
1: They're LinkedIn That's audio great. events.
0: Excellent. And I so. Wanted to, yeah. I want to make sure to point that out because you all are a remote um, yeah. workforce. And so you're making these connections through virtual channels, um, but that this could just as easily be done geographically like the the mentality and the approach could just as easily be fused into a on-site or a hybrid situation but that you're able to do this and using tools that are low to no cost as well.
1: Mm -hmm. And so the benefit of having these networking events is having a pool of candidates that remains engaged and active mm. and aware of your job postings and you can source from these folks but more than that almost i hope that by facilitating these connections some of these folks will form little groups and cohorts that will ultimately maybe turn into organizations and they're gonna uh em- employ f- folks of their own or mm-hmm. network with and maybe there's a vice president of hr you know attending and somebody says something that they want to, you know, network about. And now there's some initiative that happens or, and so I would say for organizations out there that want to do something like this, um, it's not hard. It's, you know, you just put on an event that is providing a platform for folks to network with each other and facilitating that network, encourage everybody to add each other. And.
2: I, I would say that. The way that those get handled, Z, is particularly trans-informed, though, and particularly mm-hmm. queer-informed. So there's a real mutual aid element to those networking events. Mm-hmm. It's really about generosity and connection. Mm-hmm. That is not as corporate as, as uh, most networking events that I've been to. So as an example, Z has a portion in which she invites other people with other job openings, other recruiters from other companies.
0: Which I would about. say the, is a rarity in mm-hmm. um, in, these, in networking worlds. And when you're doing that kind of outreach, you're thinking just about how I can get my role filled. And you all are thinking about the community as a whole and how we can create employment opportunity, whether it's here with us or with someone else who is trying to be supportive of the community. And that's one of the things that I love. I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine who is a recruiter um, and her saying to me that I am a recruiter, like this is who I am, this is what I do, my job is to get people jobs. And so it reminds me, Franny, of like back in the day, and I can say back in the day to you because you, you and I have been like in we this for a long time. We were there. And, <laughs> and when it was all about building talent community, and that's what this feels like, is like this is a community of talented individuals who are looking out for each other and trying to find ways to create opportunity for us to succeed create opportunity, as Zee pointed out, for us to collaborate and create opportunities for others. And that this is, it's not about filling my jobs. It's about helping individuals find roles in organizations where they can thrive and helping them to make connections with each other so that they can continue to feel like they have um, professional support. And when we take a step back from the way that we recruit and look at it through that lens and not just what I can get out of it, then I think we do a much better job on behalf of like our organization's culture and a much better job of, of, of building a better future of work um, than, than the approach that we have been me, 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 mine, mind mine, mine um, that we've been doing for such a long time.
2: That's exactly right. And the fact is, is if you help those folks, whether or not they come to work with us today, they won't forget and they'll refer Mm -hmm. somebody else in. Yep. So, you know, it got, it's to the point where yesterday somebody posted on LinkedIn, um, a non-binary person posted on LinkedIn about trying to look at a marketing job. And I reached out and said, oh, our direct competitor folks has a couple of marketing jobs open. And they laughed and they said, yeah, Z already reached out to me about them. (laughs) <laughs> yeah
1: yeah and so, it's and here. here's the okay. oh sorry go ahead
2: no it's just it's just if you approach people with generosity they're going to remember you mm-hmm. and they're going to approach the next person in their line of sight with generosity and remember that this happened and hopefully refer somebody and, yeah to us go ahead
1: and, he, well, and here's the thing there's we're a series b startup um so we're we're a definitely a mission aligned uh, organization with many folks, and it's um, there's a lot of work to do, and it's a very important mission, mm-hmm. and so people do want to work for us for that reason. But there are only so many jobs that are going to be available, and there's a lot of folks in the community who could benefit from, uh, mm-hmm. you know, position at any number of companies, mm-hmm. and so it would be selfish and greedy of us to only talk about our own opportunities and we know there's other opportunities out there where we can match up these folks with positions and to not tell them about or to not have Mm -hmm. those opportunities available one of the fundamental um, aspects of networking is that you want to provide value to people and so Mm -hmm these a lot of people who attend these networking events are people who filled out a job application with us and opted in to receive emails about these networking events and so we email them like hey you you know you said you wanted to network we're having this event so and they show up and yeah. you know i want to give them something of value the, i want them that they to they can
0: take away yeah that, that it's sure. a it's a mutual relationship and it's not just a not just transactional, transactional. The networking
1: events are More of a hangout than it is like a, Mm -hmm. you know, a seminar or something.
2: You know, you asked about um, how other companies can do this. And I think that that's worth talking about. Also, really want to mention it's not that like cis straight people can't work here. They absolutely can, 100%. -hmm. It's just that we are committed to representing the diversity of our members as well. Mm -hmm. So we really want our employee base to the degree possible to um, represent the individuals who are our members. And yeah. um, and that could be that they are, you know, as we move into more corporate work, it could be that they are an HR person. It could be with no ties to the community. It could be that they are the parent. We have a lot of folks who are parents of trans kids. Um, so it's more around alignment to the mission and it's yeah. more around wanting to be a part of this community than it is lived experience, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. And I think that's that, Im- um, that's important to highlight also. So thank you. Go ahead, Z. It,
1: it could also be that they've experienced health inequity themselves,
0: mm-hmm. or they
1: come from a different population that faces similar challenges, or yeah. they have been exposed to the, you know, the, the heartbreaking truths of when you know transgender youth don't get the care that they need or something and so they and they mm-hmm. see that and they're they're you know they work in healthcare care and they, and they see that and then they want to come work for us because they have a special affinity for our mission for that reason
2: yeah and so so the question around like how do companies that don't have our same mission um achieve this and the answer is you don't And and, and I'm sorry, it's just like, that's how it is, right? But, and the reason why is because trans people of working age represent at most 1% of the population. Mm. Queer people of working age represent around 6 to 10% of the population. So what we have here is uniquely concentrated, Mm. but I would say you know, working very, very hard to create community and safety and not just like a perception of psychological safety or career safety, but actual Actual. psychological Mm -hmm. safety is crucial given the extraordinary level of isolation that trans and queer people may feel in the workplace, depending upon their visibility to others and uh, you know, So yes, to affinity groups, absolutely. Um, there are other things you can do, and we can talk about that uh, maybe at the end, like trans and queer people feel particularly threatened right now and, and perhaps are particularly financially yeah. and um, politically threatened right now. Yeah, I think it's a great time to pivot into that because as
0: we are recording this episode, there are several hundred pieces of pending legislation that are seeking to either eliminate or roll back the rights and protections of trans and gender nonconforming people here in the US. And that I know is affecting the work that you're doing and the importance that you're having to place on certain aspects of the work that you do. Talk to us about how that is affecting Plume and what can organizations do to take action, um, and I know that there's, you know, I, I say it all the time, probably congressman, you know, but if there has to be more, at least I hope so, there has to be more um, that we can do beyond just that to support the trans and gender nonconforming communities at this time. Mm-hmm. So I guess start by just telling, like, what is, what how is this impacting the work that you all are doing on the day-to-day, and then we can pivot to talk about the
2: ways of supporting so i'm a so big the, boy, never so the load
0: is the big question
2: yeah it never waste a crisis right so mm. yes we've had some acute situations in which the um danger that the trans community is in has been highlighted and i think that that's really important mm. uh, it's it's been really brought to the fore for folks who perhaps um didn't understand. And this is cis people and straight people kind of across the board are now starting to understand, oh, actually, I kind of do need to pick a side here and, you know, make some decisions about how I'm going to spend my time, energy and efforts. I can't just sort of say, oh, that's too bad and move mm-hmm. on. So um, there is an increase in legislation that deeply impacts trans and non-binary people under the age of 18, in particular, and their families. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do not serve people who are under the age of 18. Depending upon the state, it could be as high as 26. But we don't serve people who um, we are not allowed to serve. Mm -hmm. And that said, um, we're quite clear that this is all a ramp up to impacting who we can serve. So we've recently had situations in Missouri and in Florida. Uh, Missouri was particularly interesting because it was a random, sweeping emergency rule that came out in one day, had no precedent that we'd ever mm-hmm. seen before from Missouri's attorney general, that essentially would have would have created tremendous obstacles to providing care to our current members or mm-hmm. future members um we responded appropriately we kind of have a SWAT team that handled it beautifully and then 45 days later he rescinded the rule because it was so outrageous and egregious that even mm. he was pressured to rescind the rule florida uh same thing we had much much legislation against transgender, non-conforming health care in particular, telehealth for that community, the community we serve in particular, in addition. Um, and so what we've done is we've actually, we have people who are there in Florida right now, today,
0: mm-hmm. serving
2: new members and making sure that uh, everyone can continue to get the care that they need. So we're responding appropriately, but we're trying not to get to, um, to overreact or underreact. We're trying yeah. to respond appropriately. Um and then keep going. Just keep going. Because as I said before, we know that we're making history. So that means people are going to come, people are going to try and knock us down, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and we also know that if we overreact, it could it could be exactly what they want. So we're
0: yeah. giving them the <laughs> reaction that they are wanting. <clears throat> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So we're just continuing to provide reliable and relatable care to our members and to any future members.
1: I'd reach out to, I, I, I do reach out on LinkedIn to folks and sometimes I'll reach out to somebody and a couple of times, I, I think I hit my mic with my glasses, by the way. So it might be, you might hear <laughs> no a problem. little bit of, Um, so uh, yeah, I, a couple of times somebody has responded back and they're like, I'm not interested. I, I don't support your mission. You are, you know, they have some, a few choice words. For for me, about my uh, my and mind you, i I you know, my reach out message is fairly straightforward. It's like, hi i'm I'm z i I work for plume. I have this position. I, I think you'd be a good fit. May I pass along your information as a pretty pretty, pretty simple innocuous
0: message, there. Pretty,
1: yeah, you know, and so so a couple of times I got like, you're disgusting oh. and I always want to reply and it's about resilience it's about resilience and but I always a part of me wants and I, I think like taking it in stride and kind of seeing the humor in the situations I I all and I, I don't do this but I always want to respond back like oh I'm glad you're interested I'll pass along your information <laughs> <laughs> so I not give them the the satisfaction I and I was on let's a little bit I hit my my glasses again I was on a TikTok live. You ever go on a TikTok live? I've
0: never I didn't even know TikTok had live. That's sure. Yeah, so I'm TikTok. I am.
1: In the last few weeks, uh, the last couple months or so, there's been a lot of people having debates on TikTok live about like pretty basic human rights issues regarding trans people. And I'll join them every now and again because I don't learn my lesson. And so, and I, I guess see you I like to, so you, you like field. me like
0: to indulge in a little petty behavior every a now little, and again. Is that what I'm hearing? Well, a well it's a, I
1: guess it's a little, it's a little exciting to, to kind of, and a part of me wants to educate and inform people on these platforms. And I, I hope that people are listening. Well, you're doing
0: better than and, me then. Cause I just want to go be petty. So well, yeah, see so you doing, you're doing better than me. Keep doing better than some, me. Sometimes there's like, better.
1: there'll be like 60 people listening. And I, I hope some of them are listening and and that they hear what i say and it gives them a good sense of like an actual like yeah you know, good perspective on the issue and I, I hope that that's what's happening but one time people were kind of like trolling me you know using mm-hmm. he him he him pronouns for me and then i told them like you're using he him pronouns for me i i'm a i'm a trans man i'm an afab trans man you're using my correct pronouns
0: a-fab.
2: Um, oh. AFAB has some specific meetings that you want to explain what that is? People
1: Assigned think? female at birth. So mm-hmm. they're like saying, you know, they, they're trying to troll me by using, you know, he, him pronouns thinking it's going to upset me. I didn't really mind, but I got them to stop by basically being like, you're using my correct pronouns. I, you know, I'm a, a trans man. I, I trans, I've been on testosterone for a number of years and they're like, then they stop because it,
2: Yeah. So what can companies do? I'm thinking a lot about that. And, and I would say there are a lot of things that companies can do and they can start with the very basics. You know, don't have conferences in Florida. It's so simple. Stop it. Stop having conferences there. (laughs) You're, you're the people who you're asking to come to that conference could be in physical danger, danger. And are certainly going to be very uncomfortable the entire time and are less likely to learn and engage in the way that you would want them to learn and engage. Stop having conferences where people feel that they're going to be treated with hostility and believe, and rightly so, in many cases, they're going to be treated with hostility. Mm -hmm. Um, Second, uh, be open to the chambers of commerce and tourism boards um, Mm -hmm. about why you're not having conferences. They need to fill those conference rooms and those hotel rooms. They need to know that they're losing business. Mm -hmm. They will do your work for you if they understand that. Um, If the chambers of commerce understand that. Second, I would say like reach out to employees in those states and actively take care. And it's going to be somewhat customized to what is going on with that person. So it could be that um, as an example, they may need to move. We Mm -hmm. uh, recently instituted a a small assistance program for people who need to move out of their state because their bodily autonomy is being threatened. Mm. Um, In addition, uh, they might need increased mental health benefits, for example, or they may need just logistical help or sudden cash flow issues. They may need a loan. Uh, They may need logistical help, like here in Texas, I have a lot of friends who's Children are trans. And so they need to now go to New Mexico or Colorado or Oregon or some other state to maintain healthcare for their child,
0: which mm-hmm. means
2: have to go there once a quarter, take four days off and go there once a quarter, establish medical relationships there, and then see that doctor once a quarter. So that's the kind of thing. It's going to be somewhat custom to that employee. Um, very simply stop donating to politicians who do harm to queer people. Mm-hmm. Stop those donations and tell them why. And then use those donation dollars that you may have saved to donate to HRC, ACLU, um, other organizations that are actively working to defend LGBTQIA plus freedoms. And, and
1: bring people, trans people, bring trans people into the room when you're making decisions that affect them and decisions that don't affect them, because you'd be surprised... What decisions yeah. affect them that you don't know about. So, But I mean, also don't don't put emotional <laughs> labor onto them, but ask if they want to be in those conversations and invite mm-hmm. them. And if you have an ERG for queer people, ask them to, if participate, they like
2: in, to participate if they'd yeah. like to
1: participate.
2: Yeah. And then, you know, that gets us to the final thing, which is really clean up your benefits. Make sure your benefits actually do cover everything that you assume that they cover with regard to the healthcare associated with transitioning. So that could be mental health needs. That could be social emotional health. That could be, um, hair lasering. Like there's so many things that as a a straight person, you may not, you don't don't, even think about. Yeah. And so make sure that you have a really good thorough custom did like really detailed list and literally when you're going for your benefits, make sure every single one of those items is covered because they don't want to have to come to you, mm-hmm. to the HR department every time they need
0: something. And a lot of employees won't; they will just find a way because they don't want to go through the emotional labor that it takes. And then, and some of that can it's be risky. like triggering and re-traumatizing and very risky right. to have to come to you and say this isn't covered and and those sorts of things. And or is this covered? And then you may not know anything about my identity. And now I'm I'm having to navigate all of this. I don't want
2: to deal with that. So really? you're, I agree.
0: Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: So we've covered a lot of ground. We've got a lot of- advice. We have. And this is not amazing. Advice,
0: but it's our advice. It's so. spectacular yeah. advice. <laughs> I think it's definitely, both of you have definitely provided some, some wisdom nuggets that I think the listeners are going to be able to Grab a hold of and do something different that will help their organization become a little bit better um, at navigating this, and I appreciate you for that. So, I've got my final question before we wrap up. So, here at the Inclusion Crusade, um, I always say we're on a mission to make workplaces more inclusive one episode at a time. So, I'm going to ask each of you to share with us what is your crusade? What is the thing that you feel like you're trying to improve in the world or in the world of work, one at a time. Z, I'll let you go first.
1: Oh well, as I want to say, thank you uh, first of all for kind of uh, inviting us onto your platform and providing us with this platform to share our perspectives. And it's uh, yes, yeah, super awesome that you are doing this. And so, thank you very, very much. And um, I guess that my crusade is um helping the community and uh sharing what i've learned with other people so i i feel like i've for whatever reason gotten good at networking and
0: mm-hmm.
1: teaching people how to network and so that's i want to share that and facilitate networking and building like i said earlier my ultimate goal is to bring people together who will start little groups and cohorts and ultimately organizations And if I could facilitate those connections and ultimately, like, because of those down the line, there's some, you know, organizations that were founded by trans people or something because of that, that would be super awesome. Or if I could just teach one trans person how to network better, and then they use that to get a mentor, to get a job or to Mm -hmm. do a project. Um, I think that networking can do a lot for a lot of people and other things can too, but like networking is... Like the thing that I'm good at, yeah. I guess. Well, you
0: know, I, still matters, yeah. So sure. I'm
1: happy to always network with people, and so add me on LinkedIn.
2: Z. and <laughs> blue, everybody, please yep. say hello to Z on LinkedIn.
1: Currently please. going by Z. It's I. I'm likely to to change
2: good to my me. name
1: at any. it gone by. Z. I love that, Franny. What about you? What about uh? Yes.
0: Yeah. So.
2: I would say I'm the sucker who like decided very early in my career that work can be a community and that Mm -hmm. communities are better when people bring their whole best selves to work. So anything I can do to help create community within work and then help people show up as their whole best selves in a safe way and leaders to understand what that looks like. That's what I want to do. And that's what I do. Uh, So again, my name is Frannie Oxford and I also am on the LinkedIns, Um, so feel free to connect.
0: Yes, and I will make sure to link um, both of your LinkedIn profiles in the show notes for this episode, as well as the Plume website for those who want to learn more about this wonderful mission-driven organization um, and community that you all are building. So I just want to thank you both again for being on the Inclusion Crusade podcast Um, This has been a wonderful conversation and thank you all for listening. I can't wait to get your um, feedback to us and please continue to be a supportive and inclusive individual. Please continue to make time for joy and rest. Um, This is the Inclusion Crusade. I am Sarah Morgan and thank you always to the HR Happy Hour Network for hosting us and we are out.